All right. Thank you, Pastor Jenny, for blessing us in that way. A beautiful song. Big fan of the corn ornament myself. Um, right now, I'm going to introduce um, our guest speaker for today. His name is Pastor James. Um, we have some things in common. I noticed that uh, we both like photography. But uh, Pastor James, uh, he likes photography a lot more. If you know his, uh, his testimony from Friday Fire, uh, at one point he was doing photography, his own personal business, and he had made millions of dollars because uh, he had gotten into it a lot more uh, than I have. So, you know, he likes photography. I like photography, but he's better at it. He's, he's, he's got a lot more photography under him. I like Apple. He also likes Apple. But it looks like he likes Apple maybe even more than I do because he's got an iPad already. But, uh, yeah, iPad. And uh, I'm losing hair. He's losing hair. But he's lost more hair than I have. So he's, he's up, one up on me on everything. All right. But uh, Pastor James, uh, he planted the church at uh, UC Berkeley. Uh, there's uh, about 200 young people. They gather to worship every week, and they're working on doing a church plant uh, soon in another part. Uh, of that area. Uh, right now, let's put our hands together. Let's welcome up Pastor James Lee. All right. Thank you. Thank you for um, making us feel at home. Um, we are here for just a few days. Actually, tonight we're going to be getting on a plane. We're going to be heading down to uh, China. And uh, drop off David and then go home. <laughs> um, thank you. Uh, wow, I need that service at my church. <laughs> Bringing water. Um, uh, you guys have, I mean, Pastor Christian, you have a wonderful people. And uh, I'm not from New York, I'm not dressing it up as well, but uh, you have a wonderful people and wonderful church. I am just so blessed to be here, to be part of what God is doing in this church and I just want to thank Pastor Christian for just giving me really the opportunity to share this morning. Um, we had an amazing time uh, Friday. If you were here Friday, amen. Yes, God just God was really good. And uh, I, yesterday I went and saw, met some friends and, uh, you know, did a little sightseeing. And, you know, uh, we have several staff. There's 10 pastoral staff in my church. And, and one of the staff actually works at Ritz-Carlton. And uh, I know it's a really nice place, right? Never actually stayed at Ritz Carlton, but he's, he works there. And he was able to get us a, a nice hotel in Times Square at Marriott. It, this place was fancy. I mean, I've never stayed in such a fancy hotel in my life. You walk in, you got marble floor. I mean, you know, it's just really fancy. But not only that, he gave us a super deep, I mean, super price. It was like cheap price for us, great price. And, and, and also he gave us an executive suite. You know, so like, yeah, I know, executive suite, which is like the 14th floor, you know. But uh, unfortunately, um, my internet didn't work at that particular hotel. So whenever I wanted to use the internet, and, you know, coming from America, we need internet every second, every moment, you know, every, you know, moment of our time. So I had to actually come down below the lobby where, and sit next to this really uncomfortable couch uh, to get internet from a cafe that was next door. And uh, I actually lived there most of three days in that little couch. And this couch, was, it was uncomfortable. And, and unfortunately, right next to the couch was the ashtray. 
So whenever someone came and wanted to throw away their cigarettes, I mean, it just smelled and it was like terrible place. But I had to be there because that was that's where I could get my internet access. Well, the last day today, like 15 minutes before we were to get picked up, you know, I was Dave and I were riding the escalator up to the 14th floor, and we noticed that 15th floor there was an executive lounge. I said, "Whoa." Hey, you know, we're, we got the executive suite. Maybe let's check out, see if we could get access to this executive lounge, right? So we actually went to this 15th floor, and, you know, you needed a special car, which we had, you know, because <laughs> we were part of the executive club. And so, uh, you know, we swiped in, and hey, guess what? We were able, able to get to the 15th floor. And as soon as we got off, there's this, this balcony, and, and you have to have a special executive club car to get into this executive lounge. And, and we, we, I said, Dave, let's just try, see if we could get in. We swiped it, and we were able to get into this executive lounge. And in this executive lounge, there's computers, there's comfortable chairs. They were like, you could go to the balcony with a beautiful view of Seoul. And, like, and as soon as we sat there, we had free internet access. And it was like, we sat in this leather couch, and it was like melt in this leather couch. And for 15 minutes, it was the most comfortable 15 minutes of, of, of my whole trip at that hotel. And, uh, and God began to speak to me. And God said, you know what? There are many Christians here who have the executive card, who have access to the executive lounge, the privileges that we have in Christ. But yet many of us are on the first floor in this uncomfortable couch. And in that 15 minutes, I felt like home. And I'm telling you today that you have that access. We have the access to Christ. And um, if you have not tapped into that, you have that access. Today, I want to uh, preach from uh, Ephesians on hope. And I think that many, many of us, we fail to realize the importance of hope. You know why? Because in our English word, when we use the hope, the word hope, we often convey like maybe. Some of you may say, hey, are you going to go back to the States uh, uh, anytime for vacation? And we may use the word like, well, I hope so. You know, it, there's a little uncertainty that comes with that word. But when the scripture talks about hope, it doesn't talk about uncertainty. In fact, it talks about certainty in Christ. And today I want to look at this very important word, hope. And why I believe how we live here today. The attitudes that we have here today is solely based on on where your hope is. And today, I want to look at verse 18. It says, I pray that you may know the hope to which he has called you. In the Bible, there's about 80 times when the word hope is used in the New Testament. And it it is a word that talks about certainty in Christ. And I believe that that hope is life-shaping certainty that we have in Christ. And I think the reason why so many of us live the way we live today is because we have lost that hope. And I'm here to tell you that I also believe the circumstances we believe, often we think the circumstances change us. You know, when good circumstances come in all the ways, you know, we, we, we're happy. When, when bad circumstances come in our way, maybe we may be sad. But I'm here to tell you, it's not the circumstances in your life that changes you. But where your hope is. 
and where you base your hope is, that's what determines your attitude and your heart and your mind. So let me give you an example. Let's say there were two people, and they were working in one of the local business. And every day, one guy would go to this workplace, and he would sit behind this, this table, and it is really stuffy. He, had to, he has to work literally six days a week. And he has to work nine days an hour. And he gets paid $10 an hour. So, so he would go, and he sits down, and he works $10 an hour. He hates this job. Every time he goes to work, he's complaining about it because, because there's no window in that office. It's stuffy. It's hot. And he only gets paid $10 an hour to work in this lousy, he thinks, this lousy job. But yet, this other man who works next to him, whenever he comes to work, he whistles. He's always happy. He doesn't understand why, why they have the same job. They, they work in the same situation, same environment, same circumstances, same co-worker. But one, one guy walks in always grouchy, always complaining that his life isn't fair. He's always complaining about his position. He's complaining about his boss, his co-worker. But, but another guy, when he comes, he's whistling. There's a joy in his heart. Because you find out later that that one guy was only making $20,000 a year. But what if I told you the other guy was making $20 million a year? Let me tell you, their attitude of life would be different. The guy who's only making $20,000 a year, when he comes, he hates the job. He's, he's complaining about every circumstances and situation, why he doesn't like where he's working right now. But the guy who's making $20 million a year, he comes wrestling. He comes, he comes to work happy. There's a joy in his heart. Why? Because in the end, there's the reward of $20 million. And what I realize is that many of us, even Christians today, the reason why we live this, this life of complaining and, and we, we always complain about the situation or circumstances. No, because you've lost the hope. You've lost the hope. And I believe that your life is shaped by what you hope. And in order for you to live a life of joy in your life is to understand where your hope is. Hope, you can't avoid it. Look at verse 18. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in saint. Now, I want us to look at this verse 18 because it's rich. It, it's so rich. But here, you know, we have to take this grammar apart. You know, many times when you read Paul's writing, you have to really, you know, take, off, take apart the grammar because there's a deep meaning in this verse. So let's look at verse 18. Listen, let's break this apart. It says, I pray that also the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance. First, I want to break down. It says, look at what he says. The first word is saints. He's talking about all Christians here. It's about, he's talking about all Christians, saints. We have been set apart, all Christians here. But the next interesting word that I, that I see in this word is the word inheritance. You know, inheritance is an interesting word because the word means worth or substance. 
you know, maybe some of you have money here at this bank or have money here at this bank. But, but imagine if your whole worth, your whole worth was based on the inheritance. Now, what's, what's interesting about this particular verse is whose inheritance is this verse talking about? Let me give you an example. Let's say you knew Bill Gates personally. You know, you knew Bill Gates. He's, I think, considered maybe one of the richest men in America. What would you get Bill Gates for his birthday? That's a tough question. You know, you go shopping at Kmart. I don't know if you have Kmart here. And you're thinking, what can I get Bill Gates? You know, here's a guy who has everything. Whatever he wants, you know, he can get whatever he wants. He has, he has all the money in the world. But what can you get Bill Gates for his birthday? But not only that, what can you get Bill Gates where he says, oh my, this gift is my inheritance. Oh, this gift is where my worth is. What can we get Bill Gates that, that he is able to say, wow, this is an amazing gift. You know, I can't even think of any. iPad, maybe. No, he wouldn't like that. <laughs> what can I get Bill Gates where he says, oh my, this is wonderful. This is the best gift I've ever got. You know what's amazing about this verse? It says, what? Now, Bill Gates is rich, but he's nothing compared to God. God owns the stars. God owns the universe. God owns everything. What can we get God where God can say, this is my inheritance? You know what's amazing about this verse is that when God, what is it that one thing that God says, this is beautiful, this is my inheritance. You know what it says? It says you, the saints. Saints is his inheritance. He finds joy in it. This is my inheritance. This is, this is amazing. One commentator says, Paul wants you to be smitten of how rich God feels when he looks at you. Let me repeat that. He says, Paul wants you to be smitten by how rich God feels when he looks at you. You know, when God looks at James, he says, James, oh, I feel rich when I think about James. He is my inheritance. You see, when we realize the worth of you, there's a joy in that. You know, my daughter is, um, is, she's, you know, turning into a lady. She's like seven years old. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, it, it's, it's one thing, you know, you, you let your son run around and play football, you know, but, you know, that's fine. But, you know, you treasure your daughter. And one day, you know, my wife was looking through her, her cell phone. She wanted to get a cell phone for her birthday, so we got her cell phone. And she was looking through her text message. I know it's violating her, her privacy, but it's okay. We have every right, you know. So we're looking through her, 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 her you know, her cell phone. And, and here, she was actually text messaging a boy. I know. She's like seven years old. And the text message says, Hi. And she says, hi back. And he says, do you like me? I know. She's seven years old. And, and she goes, do you like me? I said, okay, this is it. This is it. I got to talk to my girl. So you know what I did? I actually took her out on a date. I said, Jocelyn, can I take you out on a date? 
Y chicos, ok. <risa> I said, is it okay if I take you on a date? He goes, okay, where do you want to go? I said, what do you want to eat? She said, hamburger. I said, okay, let's go get hamburger. She only, if she knew what I wanted to talk about. The text message. So I took her on a date and we sat there. And you know what I did? As a father, I didn't bring the phone. I said, what is this? What is this? I didn't do that. You know what I did? I looked at her and I said, Jocelyn, you are the most beautiful woman and girl in the whole wide world. And you are so beautiful. I love you. And God sees the beauty in you. And I looked at her and I said, don't let anyone take that away. Don't let anyone take that away. You see, if we understood the power of hope and the worth, inheritance, we will live different. But instead of the hope being God and the inheritance, we find ourselves in hope in marriage. And if we don't get married at a certain age, our life seems to fall apart. Let me hear amen from the ladies in the room. And if, if, if we don't feel like we have a certain amount of success in, or, or money in our checking account because we find our hope in our, our money or our success, when the success doesn't happen, what? We, we fall apart. But if our hope is in Jesus Christ and the inheritance, it doesn't matter how much money I have in my checking account. It doesn't matter if I am not married or in a relationship. Amen. (laughs) Because my hope is in Christ and His acceptance of me. I'm fully accepted by my Lord Jesus Christ. And in that, there is a confidence. In that, there's a joy that my value is not determined on how much value asset I have. My value is not determined by how big my church is. My value is not determined by who I'm married to. My value is determined by Christ's value in me. You understand that? You see the joy of that? And you see the hope in that? And you see, that's why if your hope is in Christ, no matter what circumstances, no matter where you may be, no matter what may come upon you, no matter what kind of sickness, no no matter what kind of things going on in your life, there's joy because my value is that Christ sees the value in me. Hope is a powerful thing. Hope is a powerful thing, but we don't talk about it in churches enough. You know, C.S. Lewis, I love C.S. Lewis. He has a, a little essay called Worlds of, Last, Worlds of Last Night. And in this writing, he has this logic, and I want to read you this logic. He says, we all desperately need to know and feel affirmed. Mm-hmm. You agree with that? The least potent, he says, a way feeling affirmation to yourself is to give it to yourself. By looking in the mirror and said, James, <laughs> and look in the mirror and said, James, you're great. Great job, James. Good job. And you know what? It helps. He says, it does. He says, you can go throughout your whole life just affirming yourself. <laughs> it says, it works. 
you can say, I'm great. But he goes on to say, one outside affirmation outweighs 3,000 of your own. If someone comes up to you and says, Pastor James, you're great. Oh, really? (laughs) He says, one outside affirmation outweighs 3,000 of saying, you're saying to yourself, you're great. But there's another kind of affirmation that outweighs all those. It's when you overhear someone says that you're great. I'm walking down after service. I preach. I'm walking and I'm about to get a drink. But, but, but at the corner, they don't know I'm listening. At the corner, they're talking to each other and say, Wow, did you know Pastor James? His message was wonderful, wasn't it? And I overhear it. And I said, that sounds good. <laughs> and, what he says, and what he says is that one... <laughs> He says, he says, he says, if you overhear someone talking about you, overheard affirmation is more potent than outside affirmation. And outside affirmation more potent than telling yourself your own affirmation. He says, when you overhear it, it's it's three times more potent than if someone to tell you directly. Because you don't know their alternative motives. (laughs) He says, when someone affirms you in front of you, it's three times more than if you were to affirm yourself. But... He said, none of that, hmm, none of that is like the most potent of all. Is that when you stand before God in that day, and when you stand before God in that day, and the God, the Father says, James, well done, my son. Nothing beats that. Nothing beats that. He says, that affirmation when God the Father, when Jesus gives you a hug and says, Christian, well done, my son. He says, that affirmation outweighs everything else. And the joy of knowing, oh, it gets me so excited with just thinking about it. The joy of knowing that one day I will stand before my maker. And he will say, James, well done, my son. That's the hope. That's the hope that I'm holding on to. That's the hope I'm holding on to when things are hard. When things are hard in my life. When things are not going the the way that I want it to go. When circumstances seem terrible. When things are going just, it's messed up and messy. In all those circumstances, my hope is in the Father who finds me as his inheritance. And that's why Paul says, this is my prayer for you. Hmm. May your hope be in that. May your hope be in that. You know, and um, that sounds great, but maybe some of you here today, I know some of you, been far from the Lord. You may be singing loud, but in your heart, you may be far from the Lord. And some of you here, I don't know any of you here except one or two leadership here. 
are running away from the Lord. I want you to come back to the hope. Hmm? I want you to come back. You are his inheritance. Do you see that? You are his inheritance. You know, when I was growing up, uh, I, I immigrated when I was six years old from Korea. And um, I remember when I was about seven, eight years old, we didn't have much. You know, my parents worked two jobs just to support our family. And, and, and I remember when I was there, um, all my neighborhood friends, they had nice bikes. You know, but my parents barely made enough working at a chocolate factory, working you know, at the chocolate factory just to bring enough food on the table. And then all my friends, they had these nice bikes. Oh, man, I just, I just wanted a, a nice bike. And I remember when I went to a Kmart one day with my parents and my dad, and I was going there, and I, I, I walked to the bicycle section, and there it was. My eyes lit up, and I saw the bike. The bike, the Huffy. Oh, it was calling me. Buy me, James. Buy me. Oh, the Huffy. I just, I saw the Huffy and I was like, that's it. Dad, dad. I ran out to my dad. I said, Dad, please, could you please buy that Huffy for me? And he walks over. He looks at the price. I'm sorry. We can't afford this. Oh, please, please buy this Huffy for me. And I was crying. And my dad says, no, we don't have the money. And I remember being disappointed and going home. A day later, I come back from school, and guess what happened? My dad bought that Huffy for me. I know. (laughs) And I remember I had that Huffy parked. My dad placed it just the right place. So when I I came home, that Huffy was right there at the front patio. I said, is that the Huffy? Is that the Huffy? I remember I fell in love with this bike, and I remember I would sleep with the bike in the bed. I would clean it every day. I love this bike. I love this bike. And later I found out my dad got a second job just to buy me that bike. But you know, boy being reckless as we are, one day I decided to show off. Biggest pitfall for most men in this room. I wanted to show off my huffy. So, you know, we, all the kids, they would, they would build this ramp. You know, and they would build this ramp. And, you know, I don't know if you, you, you know, most men, you know, you can identify, right? We would, we would build these, these like, homemade ramp. And, and we would, like, lift it, uh, the, make the ramp. And we would put, like, two bikes there. And we would ride with our dirt bike. And we would jump in. How many guys, guys, you understood, huh? Yeah, yeah. We, you know, we, we all did this, you know. We, you know, we, so, so my friends, they were, we made this ramp. And we put two bikes. And, like, shh, they would jump. And, you know, they would, like, jump over these two bikes. But me, I said, I have the huffy. I'm going to do three bikes. And all my friends, don't do it, James. Don't do it. He goes, no, I can do it. And not only that, but I'm going to put three bikes the long way. And all my friends, no, don't do it. Don't do it. And the girls say, oh, gee, look at what James is going to do. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. You know, I was like, I can do this. I can do this. So we made this ramp. And I remember it's like clear as day. You know, we made this ramp. And then we made, you know, bike instead of two. We put three. And we put it long way from, from you know, wheel to wheel. And I'm like at the other end, like, like ready, to, ready to do this. And I was nervous, and I was like, I'm, I can do this. And I was like sitting there, and in the corner of my eyes, all these girls, hey, James, hey, James. I was like, yes, I can do this, right? So I remember I had the huffy, and I just pedaled as fast as I can. I'm like pedaling as fast as I can, and I jumped, and I glided. And I looked back, and all the girls like, 
and all, and I was like, and I'll never forget. I, I was in the air, and something happened. The back wheel, wheel all suddenly came forward. And from that point on, it seems like everything was going in slow motion. All my friends like, no. And the girl's like, no. And I remember it was like, no. And, and, and the back wheel actually came to front. And in that moment, I had to let go of my bike. I was like, and the bike kept going. And I remember I landed right on my butt. And man, I just, I, by the way, I cleared the three bikes. And I landed <laughs> right on the butt. And the bike is like, bang, bang, bang. And I'm just like, oh, scratched up. And everyone came in. And are you okay? Are you okay, James? You know what? The only thing gets the only thing on my mind was the huffy. That was the only thing on my mind. I went to, I, went, I got up and went, looked at the huffy. The wheel was all bent and all messed up. The frame was all messed up. And all I can think about is my dad getting two jobs just to buy that huffy for me. And I just got up and I picked up. I didn't know how to go home. I didn't know what to do. So I just sat there until sun started to sit. And I had to go home. And I was like pushing the bike because I couldn't ride it anymore. It was just all messed up. And I was pushing the bike about to go home. And I saw my dad from the distance. And I just had this fear. My dad had to get two jobs just to buy that huffy for me. We just immigrated. We had no money. And this fear like... And I was pushing, and I, I never, I'll never forget. My dad saw me from the distance. I've never seen my dad run. I've never seen him run before. But he started to run toward me. I thought he was going to run to beat me up. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> but my dad just ran, and you know what he did? He just picked me up. And I started to cry. And he says, and I said, but the bike, the huffy. And I'll never forget what my dad said. He says, we can always fix the huffy. But I can't lose you. I think some of us are afraid to come back to church. Because we are our worst critic. Maybe some of us lived a reckless life. I sure did in my past. Maybe some of us have lost the sight of that hope. And maybe some of you here today are sitting down and, and you really don't know Jesus. I mean, you see people, you know, worshiping and praying, but you, 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 you feel a little distant. But God considers you his inheritance doesn't matter how broken your huffy is. No matter how messy your life may seem right now. God wants you to come home. Because you are more important than anything else. How many of you guys can identify with that? Hmm? I want us to <laughs> grab onto that hope. I want us to hold on to that hope. Some of us, some of you have been in a relationship where you, they were very abusive to you by words, maybe even physically. 
And maybe some of you feel like you don't have worth. Let me tell you, you are the most beautiful thing in the eyes of God. And maybe some of you grew up very poor, and so all your life you're working, 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 because, you know, maybe you have enough money. Maybe if you have enough money, you have a better car, then maybe you feel a little more complete, or maybe people accept you. Let me tell you, God finds you more valuable than any other material here on earth. Because when you chase these things that what I call a killer, hope killers, these mini hopes in your life, all you find at the end end is disappointment. Because you can never find someone who accepts you for who you are. No matter what kind of relationship, you can never make enough money. Look at me. I had so much money making, making hundreds and thousands of dollars, buying $1.8 million home and living in this luxury, and I felt empty. Because my hope was in these things. And if I were to really examine my own heart as a pastor, I felt like, you know what, if I just had a big church, then people would respect me. But I still feel empty. Until I realize I am God's inheritance. Hmm? Amen? Amen? I am His inheritance. And if you fail to realize that you are the most beautiful worth to God you'll always find other things to fulfill it. Would you look at someone next to you and say, you are beautiful? (laughs) Yes. Would you look at someone and say, you are wealthy? (sighs) My brothers and sisters, do you see the joy already? Like, I look around. Some of you are like this throughout the whole time. And when someone said, you're beautiful, you're like. <laughs> Imagine, that is like the, only the second potent. Third is when you hear someone says, you're beautiful, and you don't even know, they don't know you're there. But if God says, you are beautiful, let me tell you, that outweighs everything else. And I'm here to tell you the truth. You are beautiful in God's eye. You are beautiful in God's eye. Don't let no any men, ladies, don't let any men take that away from you. Amen. Ladies, you are wealthy in God's eyes, and don't let anybody take that away from you. And every one of us, you are valuable in the eyes of God, and don't let anyone take that away from you. Oh, the joy of hope. Will you find your hope in Him? Can somebody help me with the piano? I feel right now that there's somebody in this room who felt like worthless. Maybe your parents have always told you you're nothing. I feel like there's somebody in this room who needed to hear this message. That you are beautiful. And maybe some of the ladies here are going through eating disorder. Because you don't think you're beautiful enough. You don't think you're thin enough. I'm going to cast that lie away from you. And I want you to know you are beautiful. You are beautiful. Someone in this room needed to hear this message. I didn't fly all the way from 
America to come here and just have fun. I flew all the way from America for you. And if you look at this last verse, it says, oh, it's beautiful. Let me, look at, let me read you the last verse of that text. Let's look what he says. He says here, he says, And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. I came here for you. He says, I placed all things on earth, the beautiful things, for you. I came here just for you. Did you know that? I came here just for you so that you can hear this word. How many of you felt like you were worthless sometimes? That you weren't beautiful enough? How many of you? I see some of you guys crying already. I know. How many of you guys could identify with that? Go ahead. I want to pray for you today. I don't want to go to China until I know that you know that you are beautiful and that you there's a value and worth in you. You are God's inheritance. For those who raise your hand, would you come forward? It's okay. Just it takes a step of faith. If you need to hear that, that message was for you. I felt like worthless sometimes. I want you to come and just kneel before God. Go ahead and just kneel right there. And just go ahead and just cry out to the Lord. Yeah, come on. Oh, Jesus. I just want to say you are beautiful. And God finds joy when he sees you. Where are the men? I need some godly men in this room to realize that you've found your treasure and your wealth. I need, I need men to come up forward too. Come on, men. I understand some of you don't want to get up, but there are men in this room who needed to hear this message too. Come on. We're going to expose ourselves today. Because I realize when you expose yourself, when you realize your life is messy, that's when God can come and clean it up. Because my life is messy and the only person that can clean up is God. And if you need to hear this message today, please come forward. We want to pray for you. Yes? So can we have the worship pastor come and we're going to sing some song. But I'm going to have the leaders come. We're going to pray for these beautiful women and men in this room up here in front. Because God wants you to find joy in that. And God wants you to find joy in that. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Lord. And let's just go ahead and let's just cry out to the Lord in the front. I want to pray for you. And I want you to lay down at the foot of the cross and find joy and worth in, in whom God has created you to be. And as we worship for those who are sitting down, I want you to pray for these people up front. As we worship together. Oh, Jesus, Lord, come, Lord. Let's just go to God in prayer right now. Just let's, For people in the front, let's just go to God in prayer right now and just... Ask the Lord to come and touch you. And I know God is already touching you right now. And God is already speaking to you right now. Oh, Lord Jesus.